This is The Way, 101.1. Current events. Personal values. Political and social issues. Technology. Wars and tensions. Join us for the next hour to discuss and learn how the things happening in our world today point to God's prophetic word as signs of the times. While Israel is actively preparing to take out Iran's nuclear threat, new threats from the United Nations are warning of famine, chaos, terrorism, and war if a certain meeting fails. Sounds like they failed to read the Bible. Nevertheless, we'll tell you what that is and how fear drives behavior, whether it's from malice of people who have nothing in their heart but hate, or mandates for vaccines to the delight of Bill Gates. And that's just some of what we'll discuss as we look at the signs of the times. Our weekly look at Bible prophecy in the world's news for Friday, October 29th, 2021. My goal is always to make Pastor Mark laugh and uh, and success today. And today. Okay, and that's it. All right, well, along with Pastor Mark Kirk, I'm Greg Hilton. We want to thank you for joining us on episode 189, 189er, which you can watch or listen to anytime when you subscribe through Apple, Google, iHeartRadio, Spotify, or Stitcher. But if you have the Way Media app, or you know how to get to thewaymedia.net through the interwebs, then you can get to all of our episodes, plus the only place you can read the articles we discuss, and sometimes the articles we don't discuss because we run out of time, because there are so many things to talk about. Yeah, and having the articles there are so important, so you have it in hand, and you know, hey, they're not just making this stuff up, and you can share it with other people. Absolutely. And speaking of mandates, the only mandate we have on this show is Acts 15.29. Yeah, Go ahead. That's that. Well, that's that's when they said that's when there was that dispute, you know, and uh, well, they don't, they don't need to be circumcised, whatever. Right. OK, well, that's here's right. the mandate. That's so right. uh, we'll let you look up Acts 15, there you go. 29. There's your, there's your homework. homework. <laughs> uh, and then that's the only thing we have. I but anyway, so it. Pastor Mark, welcome to the program. Yes, I'm excited about today. Let's do this thing. Yes, let's do this because we've got lots of listener questions. You've got me. This is our Truth in 10 segment. This is where Pastor Mark answers your prophecy questions in 10 minutes or less. Pastor Mark, our first question is from Denny. And uh, this is, quite honestly, this is a question I think all of us, at one point or another, have asked yeah. in our in our relationship with Jesus and reading the Bible and learning more about everyone. Yeah. It, and his question is as follows. If Satan and the demons know the Bible front to back, why does Satan still believe he can usurp God? Doesn't he know God has fulfilled every promise he's ever made? Does he just not believe that he and his demons will end exactly the way Scripture predicts? Yeah, great question. Yeah. And, uh, you know, yes, let me just answer it. I'll give you Scripture after this. He knows exactly what's going to happen. He knows the Word of God. He knows it's never failed. He knows that it won't fail. Um, and so it does bring up a great question. Why would he continue his program if he already knows it's going to fail? And really, it, it, first of all, the scripture is showing that we, we know that he knows and the demonic realm knows. When Jesus ran into the demonic realm, Greg, in, in Matthew, I'll use just one verse. There's several we could use. But in Matthew 8, 28, it says, when Jesus had come to the other side of the country of the Gergesenes, there met him two demon-possessed men coming out of the tomb. So here's the demonic realm, many of them living in these two men. Exceedingly fierce, so that no one could pass by that way. And suddenly they cried out, saying, What have we to do with Jesus, you Son of God? Have you come here to torment us before the time? Very clearly, they understand their future is torment. What they're saying is, We don't want it any earlier than we have to have it. Please don't cast us into torment yet. Let us roam free as long as we can. So we, we clearly see the demonic realm knows they have judgment that's waiting and they believe in their heart it's going to happen or they wouldn't have said that. They know the truth. They know it's going to. Certainly if the demonic realm knows that, Satan knows that as well. 
So why would Satan go ahead and do it? I think probably the best way to describe it, and this may really give you even a, uh, there's other examples we can think of. The first one would be a kamikaze pilot. And that is when you're in warfare, what the kamikaze pilots would do is when they knew their plane was going down, if they could fly their plane into the enemy and do as much damage as possible while they were dying anyway, they would do it. Um, crashing into a ship, crashing into a building, crashing into a, 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 you know, a, a, some soldiers, whatever the case might be. Satan is doing the exact same thing. He knows his days are numbered. Matter of fact, it says in Revelation that he knows when, when the process starts that he knows, Satan knows his days are limited. He knows that. So he recognizes it. The demonic realm recognizes it. Scripture clearly reveals that. But it's one of those things where I'm going to go down, but I'm taking as many as I can with me. I'm going to do as much damage as I can, and I'm going to do the best I can to, uh, just to do what I want. I'm going to try to be God. I'm going for it. What do you have to lose? He knows he's not going to be able to. He's going to try anyway. And I think probably Kamikaze Demon be the best way to describe him. You know, I'm going down. I'll take as many with me as I can. So he definitely knows. Wow. Great. All right, Pastor Mark, our next question is from Joshua. And Joshua, like many people out there, are dealing with vaccine requirements. And he says, uh, since we believe that the vaccine is conditioning us to receive the mark of the beast, should we as Christians do all we can not to take the vaccine? I'm really troubled by this upcoming mandate. I don't want it. And they're planning to make it to where you have to have it to feed my family. Just wanted to know what God would have us do in this upcoming issue. Yeah. Again, it's a great question. And it really boils down here, um, Joshua, to conscience and what you believe God is telling you to do. I would say this. Don't do anything you don't have peace from God to do. Um, that is the first thing. And let me give the scripture for that, and then I'll address, well, then what do we do? But first of all, don't do anything you don't have a clear conscience to do. And I go back to Paul writing to Timothy. Um, and Paul says in Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 1, uh, speaking of having a good conscience before God, he says this in 1, starting in verse 18. I'm going to read um, through 19. Uh, listen to what he says. This charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage the good warfare, having faith and a good conscience, which some have rejected concerning the faith, and they've suffered, because of this, they've suffered shipwreck. So here's what happens. If you breach your conscience about what you feel God would have you do or not do, you're going to suffer shipwreck. Anytime you compromise and breach conscience. So if God is putting in your conscience and you don't have peace not to take the shot, you should not take the shot. Let me reiterate, the shot is not the mark of the beast. The Bible clearly says the mark of the beast would be something on our hand or our forehead. But I do believe, as we discussed in which your question pertains to, we did discuss the fact that the, the shot indeed is, I think, worldwide conditioning. It's a demonic worldwide conditioning for the mark of the beast that will be very shortly on the scene. So, you know, when it comes down to saying, well, what do I do because I may lose my job? Now we get to another section of that. Here's the bottom line. God is your provider, not man. Now, that may be sound easy for me to say because I'm not the one losing my job. And I understand that. And I'm not telling you to lose your job. I'm simply saying that if you do something based on your convictions before God and the result of that is a loss of your job, God will honor that and God will provide for you in some form and fashion. It doesn't mean you may not suffer some. Doesn't mean your income may not change. It doesn't mean your life circumstances may not change. But I think in the days we're heading into, a lot of our life circumstances are going to be changing rather radically. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I would say, you know, you've got to make your own choice up here. And I, and I will say this, there's a lot of these vaccines, the more that I study them and look at them, um, most, if not all of them, some I haven't verified yet, they also deal in, in fetal cells, you know, murdered babies basically used to make these shots. And that's a whole other um, conscious issue. I, I know I can't personally have anything injected in me that a murdered baby was used to develop. And so you've got to come to your own conclusions. I encourage you to do your own homework, investigate, that kind of thing. If you do decide you want to take a vaccine, I would go out there and look at the origin of all the vaccines. You can find that information. It's out there. And any that have anything to do with um, the murdering of children or whatever, I would have nothing to do with that. Um, but you've got to make any of the others, you know, that you've got to make your own decision before God as to what you would do there or not. But at the same time, don't breach your conscience um, and trusting God to provide you for you and your family. It's not the first time in world history that Christians have faced these types of decisions. And we've just never had to face it in America. And so but now it's upon us. And so we have to say, all right, where am I going to stand? and How am I going to stand? It's time to be bold and courageous 
and seek God for what he wants you to do. Is this what's also referred to, Pastor Mark, as sinning against your own conscience? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I mean, if, if you if you do something that you believe God is telling you not to do, you are sinning against your own conscience. And the danger of that is not only sin against God, but it's also a hardening of the conscience. If you do it enough, mm. your conscience will harden. It won't even bother you. So that's the danger. When you see believers go down that path, they become really kind of numb to their sin, and it goes from bad to worse. So I would think, you know, anyone, I would tell anyone, if you have that conviction, um, you know, the temple of the Holy Spirit that God has given to you and, and this kind of thing, and, and you say, no, I'm not doing this, then you need to stand on that. Uh, I, I know maybe this is to a small degree, but, you know, when we talk about end times wrath, uh, and we talk about God's wrath, um, you know, when it talks about in Revelation, right. but we also talk about the wrath of man and the wrath of Satan, which we've been experiencing since the fall. That's right. And this is a great example of the wrath of man led by the wrath of Satan, I right. believe, Right. Uh, when it comes to these, you know, mandates, uh, you know, or you're going to lose your job over yeah. all those things. So another great example of that yeah, playing I, you know, out. I, yeah, really. I think, you know, again, we anytime somebody's forcing something on you that really, and, and I'll go back to this again, overall, worldwide, statistically, if you look at the numbers of, of, of you know, the CDC and all these whatever, for those that are in a, in a youthful health range, um, it's still over 99%. Uh, survival rate. And so I'm not taking away from those that are in danger zones and the decisions they have to make. Again, I'm just saying, uh, to me, this is very extreme for what we're facing. And I, and I, I really see it's a conditioning by the enemy to get us ready for the mark, although it's not the mark. Pastor Mark, our next question comes from Robert. And Robert's uh, title for his question is, will there be meat in heaven? Yeah. Uh, Isaiah 25, 6 says, and in this mountain, the Lord of hosts will make for all people a feast of choice pieces, a feast of wines on the lees, of fat things full of mar- marrow, of well-refined wines on the lees. And he goes on, Robert goes on to say, it sounds like there will be meat at the wedding supper, yet I believed there would be no more death. Then Isaiah 25, 8 says, he will swallow up death forever, and the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces. Right. The rebuke of his people will take away from all the earth, for the Lord has spoken. So uh, Robert's basic question to this verse is, he doesn't know how to reconcile this. Yeah, well, good question. it is a great question. I think some of the confusion comes in it oftentimes is, um, when when does the new heaven and the new earth begin? And uh, you have to realize the new heaven and the new earth do not begin until after the thousand year reign of Christ. Uh, the Bible says that Jesus will rule and reign on the earth for a thousand years. Prior to that, we will be called up to heaven to have the marriage supper of the lamb. Uh, and, and again, it will be a marriage supper. It doesn't give all the details of what will be served, but it is a marriage supper. There may be something other than meat that we're eating while we're at the marriage supper of the lamb because it's up in heaven. We don't know that yet. However, when you're referring to this, I think the confusion comes in, Robert, is where you read passages that are not referring to heaven. They're referring to the millennial kingdom, the thousand year reign. And the scripture you're talking about, they're out of Isaiah. Uh, it refers to it as well. It talks about it in Ezekiel chapter 43. I encourage you to go back and read that later as well. Um, it's talking about the thousand year reign, which is very different. Remember, here's the setup. The rapture of the church will take place. Then we will go to be with the Lord seven years at the marriage supper of the Lamb. We don't know what will be served specifically at that marriage supper. So we don't know, we can't comment on meat or non-meat there. But when the Lord comes back down to the earth for the thousand-year reign, where we will rule and reign with him on this planet for a thousand years, the Bible very clearly tells us in Isaiah, which you used, Robert, as well as in Ezekiel, chapters 43 through 48, you can read uh, chapter 40 through 48 in Ezekiel, talks about the millennial kingdom, specifically chapter 43, and maybe in other places, talks about the feast of burnt offerings and the feast of peace offerings. And those are animals, by the way. So there will be... Animals being put to death during the millennial kingdom. There will be offerings of animals during the millennial kingdom, and there will be the eating of meat, it would appear, during the millennial kingdom. Now, what happens after that with the new heaven and the new earth that comes at the end of that thousand-year reign? We don't know. But during the millennial kingdom, there will be still animals that will be uh, put to death. Uh, remember, you're saying, because I know what you're thinking, we're in paradise, that's real heaven. Well, it is 
God's restoring the earth. Jesus is ruling and reigning. But it's not the paradise heaven we think about until it gets to the new heaven and the new earth where he'll destroy everything that's ever existed. He'll rebuild it all brand new. And from that point on, quite honestly, I don't know what we'll be doing and eating and how that will work from that point on. But up until the end of the thousand year reign, which is the passage you talked about in Isaiah, as well as um, Ezekiel 43 and other places, there will still be burnt offerings and peace offerings and animals being put to death and offered there on the Temple Mount. And um, so, yeah, we'll be eating meat, it would appear. Um, and I do need to address one other aspect of this, Greg, before we move on, because okay. it does bring up a question. I don't know that I have the answer to it, but I'll give you my theory. Uh, you'll find there are different theories out there when you read the commentators on end times, because if you go look at commentators who talk about the Millennial Kingdom, uh, whether it be Walvoord or any of these other commentators that address it, and um, I, they pretty much all recognize there will be uh, animal sacrifice during the Millennial Kingdom. But they offer different reasons for it. I remember Pastor Chuck used to say, well, it'll be as a memorial. See, the question is, why would animals need to be offered if Jesus has already died on the cross, his sins paid for, his blood paid for all our sins? It's a valid question. Yeah, no, it is. And and now we're living with him in the kingdom. Why would there need to be any offerings of anything? Because because of the cross, right? Um, I don't know that I know the exact answer. Here's two of the main theories. I'll give you one main theory, and then I'll give you my idea, which I think I may have heard one other person share it, so probably it's wrong, since there's only a couple of guys that I know that have said it, myself and somebody else, I forget who it was. But uh, most say these are just memorial offerings. Uh, meat will still be offered during that time because you'll have a lot of mortals here on the earth, and, and, and I don't know if we'll be joining in with that as well, because going into the Millennial Kingdom, remember, there'll be people that are going in their normal bodies until they die and get their new body. And people born during the millennial kingdom yes. that still have to make the choice for Jesus Christ. That's right. You got to remember yes. when Jesus comes back and and separates the sheep and the goats. Matthew twenty five. That's talking about the second coming. After the sheep and goats judgment, all the sheep and and the ones he's judging are those that are still in their mortal bodies. They missed the rapture. They got saved after the rapture. They're still in their mortal bodies, and now they're going to go into the millennial kingdom with us, who have our new bodies. So who have us with our new bodies, then with their old bodies. And we're going to be living together. So those in their old bodies will actually be still still be getting married, having children. They'll be dying. And apparently when they die, they'll get their new body at that moment. Doesn't give us the details of how all that will happen because they'll be believers. Um, some of their children, believe it or not, will be unbelievers by the end of the thousand years. That's a whole study. We're getting into yeah, Ezekiel yeah, now. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. but so you'll have mortals and non-mortals in the millennial kingdom. Will everyone be eating meat? I guess we'll find out. Jesus at least ate fish. So we know we can. Our new bodies will have the capacity to eat meat. I, I suspect we will. And how that will work out, we'll find out. Um, but in addition to that, you say, well, then what about this whole the blood? Don't don't need sacrifices. Why burn offerings? Why this? Again, uh, many scholars will tell you it's a memorial offering simply to remember that Jesus died and how they used to give the offerings and all that. And while I think that's very possible, it doesn't make sense to me. I go, why would you just do a memorial offering for a thousand years now that he's conquered, you know, death and all this. So I don't really buy into that theory, although it may be right. My theory, which I may stand alone in, Robert, one or two other people may believe this, because mortals will be entering into the millennial kingdom, what that means is there will be sin in the millennial kingdom. The Bible talks about that. The Bible says that God will deal with it very quickly. The way it describes it, it says the Lord will rule with sin during that time with a rod of iron. So we know there will be sin, although it'll be believers in their normal bodies. So it's like us. We don't want to sin, but we do. And so they're going to be in the millennial kingdom, and oh no, they had a thought they shouldn't have. They did something they shouldn't do. Whatever the case might be, there's sin. It might be that if the unbelievers that are born during that time, the parents that go in in mortal bodies, they have kids. Those kids have not given their life to Christ yet. They're not following God yet. If they sin... The blood of Jesus doesn't cover their sin because they're not believers, even as the blood of Jesus doesn't cover the unbeliever's sin today. Now, let me clarify that statement. His blood covers everyone that wants it to cover them. There you go. Everyone that wants it to cover it, his blood is for everyone. But in reality, his blood will only pay for those who receive him as Lord. Unbelievers will stand before God, and the blood of Jesus will help them none because they didn't accept it for their payment. So if you have mortals that have children who don't receive Christ and sin— how is their sin covered during the thousand-year kingdom, and how do we prevent the earth from being recursed as it was with Adam and Eve when they first sinned, and the earth fell into a curse? I, my theory is God will not allow the earth to be recursed during that time as mortals sin. 
But in order to pay for their sin until they repent and give their life to Christ, there will still be sacrifices there in Jerusalem on the Temple Mount to cover the unbeliever and keep the earth from being cursed. Now, that could be totally wrong. The Bible does not in any way give those details. I want to make that very clear. That is Mark simply saying this could be a possibility. So that's where I stand on it, and that's kind of what uh, the other viewpoint that's out there as well. Okay. I'm going to have a question off of that. You can. I'm not going to ask it now because I want to make sure we've got enough time for our last question because this is a big one. And this is from Kathy. And Kathy says, this isn't a prophecy question, but what is the deal with the new, uh, the new to me progressive Christianity movement? I'm being inundated with references to listen to certain followers of this movement. Kathy, this is a prophetic question. Yeah, it and really Pastor Mark's is. going to explain why. It really is. The Bible says in the last days there will be false doctrines. There will be a falling away. It talks about doctrines of demons, and it talks about much of the church, Kathy, falling away in the last days. This will be a great falling away of the faith um, in the last days. And, and I say of the church. We can argue whether or not there were ever true believers or not. That's a whole other discussion. The point is, those by church in name, by Christian in name, there will be a great falling away in the last days. And there will be false teachings and false gospels. Progressive Christianity is a false teaching, and it is a false gospel. Uh, what is the true gospel? The true gospel is Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins, resurrected three days later, and if we believe that he is the only way to the Father, that no other you can't be saved by any other name or any other way, and if we repent of our sin, then we'll be forgiven and inherit eternity. Okay, there's the gospel. Um, the progressive gospel is something very different. As a matter of fact, the progressive gospel is really more of a, a liberalized uh, gospel. It's, it's, it's another gospel. Let me read it before I even give you the tenets, the eight tenets of progressive Christianity. Uh, listen to what Paul said. Well, let me, no, let me give these first. Listen to this, one through eight. Here's the basic tenets of, of, from their own website, progressivechristianity.org. Number one, they believe the following path and teachings of Jesus can lead to an awareness and experience of the sacred and the oneness and unity of all life. So notice how weird that is right off the bat. It's not, they're not saying believing in Jesus That's will save age. you. That's new age. It's new age. It's a oneness. It's a unity. It's a sacred spiritual experience, but not necessarily the only way to heaven. Now, you can't get all that just from number one, but that's pretty clear. If you know spiritual uh, talk and you come from no new age stuff, as I do and many of you, our listeners do, this is very right off the bat showing you this is kind of a new age mindset. Number two. Affirm that the teachings of Jesus provide but one of many ways to experience the sacredness of oneness of life, and that we can draw from diverse sources of wisdom in our spiritual journey. In other words, you can get stuff from Buddha, Islam, Krishna, and and, and through that, you kind of connect to nirvana, this oneness with nature, oneness with God, oneness, whatever. This is all new age. It's demonic. Number three, seek community that is inclusive of all people, and all is all capitalized, including but not limited to conventional Christians and questioning skeptics, so we get in there, believers and agnostics, okay, they can be saved, women and men, which of course, those of all sexual orientations and gender identities. So he's, they're basically saying God doesn't have a problem with same-sex relationships, no big deal to God. Lastly, those of all classes and abilities. Now, number four, Know that uh, know that the way we behave towards one another is the fullest expression of what we believe. Some of these are just kind of innocuous. Number five, find grace in the search of understanding or for understanding and believe that there's more value in questioning than in absolutes. So you can't say Jesus is the only way, in other words. Strive for peace and justice among all people. Number seven, strive to protect and restore the integrity of the earth. So it's very climate earth worship oriented. Again, that goes right in line with New Age stuff. And lastly, number eight, commit to a path of lifelong learning, compassion, and selfless love. Now, this whole path of lifelong learning, what they say is that God is ever-changing, and we have to learn one of the main tenets is we have to learn to love ourselves. they say. These are all false, non-gospel, non-scriptural teachings that come from the New Age movement. Sounds like the Universalist Unitarian Church. It's a lot like that, Greg. Wow. It basically is a denial of Jesus Christ. It's a denial of his, where he said, no one goes to the Father but by me. It's a, it, it's a, it's an all-inclusive, any sin you have, God will take you in heaven. Um, uh, any uh, religious, spiritual belief you have, God will accept that. That is so false. It's exactly the opposite of everything that the Bible teaches. And I would say it this way. It is another gospel. And under that 
another gospel definition because that's what it is. The Bible condemns it and the Bible condemns eternally those who are involved in it. This is what it says in Galatians chapter one. I'll read verses six through uh, nine or so. Um, he says this, I marvel, Paul writing to the Galatians, I marvel that you're turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not another at all, in other words, but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. Now, that is a perversion of the gospel of Christ, what we just read. He goes on in verse 8. But even if we, that Paul says, if I do it, or are those with me, or an angel from heaven, or any of these guys that wrote this, preach any other gospel to you than what we have already preached, and that is that Jesus is alone is the way to the Father, etc. Let him be accursed. The word's anathema, and means literally in the language, eternally condemned. As we have said before, verse 9, so now I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what you've received, let him be eternally condemned. So the people, Kathy, that are encouraging you to listen to this, this progressive, these progressive leaders in this movement, Paul here declares, I'm not saying it, the scripture here declares they are eternally condemned. Now, can they be saved? Of course, if they repent before they die, they can be saved like any of one of the rest. I was eternally condemned before I received Christ. So I'm not saying they can't be saved if they're still alive. I'm saying at this point where they stand in their false teaching, they are eternally condemned. Have nothing to do with them. Don't give them any time. Don't listen to any of their teachings. And you need to warn those that are pointing in that direction and say, look, I love you. I care about you. And maybe they're true believers and they just hadn't done their homework. But they need to be warned that if they're encouraging people down that path, God's going to hold them accountable because they are encouraging people to listen to and follow a group of people that are eternally condemned and are leading other people into eternal condemnation. I would run fast and, and furious away from this, and I would warn in love anyone that sent me that direction. And Kathy, I'll also give you another scripture verse that be a good companion to this, and that's Colossians 2, uh, uh, chapter 2, verse 8. Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. Bingo, there you go. It's got to be in the Word of God, and it's, if it's not God's Word, and it's it contradicting God's Word, which progressive Christianity does, it is anathema. It's eternally condemned. Yeah. Great questions. If you've got a question, uh, we invite you to visit thewaymedia.net or download the Waymedia app. Navigate your way to Signs of the Times, and you'll see where you can send us your prophecy question. Now, didn't you have? Yes, I've got a, a list, uh, Greg, one of our listeners, yes, Signs of the Times. I, matter of fact, I don't think he's missed a show since the show began. Unreal. I think maybe one. You know what? It's an amazing. So, it is. Let's, so, Greg's, let's see, let's... so Greg's question is, at the end of the Great Tribulation, yes. the beginning of the millennial reign, right. when Jesus returns, he'll return in Jerusalem, to the Mount of Olives, yes. put his foot on the Mount of Olives, and from that will spring waters that will heal uh, the Dead Sea, spring it to life, and, and, and then the, the whole succession. The yeah, yeah, it goes but, down to the Mediterranean as well. It goes yes, both and, directions, that it, water. Th this is his environmental protection program there you go. Uh, that will happen. There you go. Here's my question. and it's, we, 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 we say that the earth will be restored. Yes. The question is, for me, is to what level? Yeah. Is it post-flood restoration or pre-flood yeah. restoration? That's a great question. I yeah. will tell you what the Scripture says as okay. far as I know. It doesn't lay out exactly whether it was after the flood or before the flood. My guess would be that it's going to be, um, to, you know, I've always thought of it as before the flood, but here's what I know. Greg, there are going to be areas that still are deserty and lack rain because of the obedience or, or disobedience of the people on the earth. As a mm. matter of fact, uh, one of the prophets at the end of, the, of, of his book says this, he says that uh, Egypt itself, uh, if if they don't obey, and I think it maybe is the last chapter of Zechariah. Don't quote me on that because I can't look it up quick enough for before we hear that music. Yeah. Uh, but the reality is, it says that if they don't come up and honor God, all of them, then God will withhold rain from their region, which means there will be dry areas, still some kind of patchy, deserty areas. But the earth as a whole will be renewed. It says the deserts will spring to life. Mm. So we'll see mostly green and refreshed. But there will be some areas due to disobedience that will look like post-flood, after-flood, as compared to pre-flood. So very okay. interesting question, Greg. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, that's what we do here at Science <laughs> of the Times. Ask ourselves questions. Yes. <laughs> and we are going to answer some questions as we look at articles of interest as Signs of the Times continues right here on WIAM. We'll be right back after this.
WIAMLP. 101.1 FM, Knoxville. There's a question we rarely hear these days when making a purchase. Cash or credit? Hey, I'm Chuck Bentley with My Money Life from Crown. Now, using a credit card can have its advantages. But as we're reminded by Crown's founder, the late Larry Burkett, it can also have a couple of unintended consequences. The people who have credit will spend more of it for the same products than people who have only cash that they've earned. I mean, that is an absolute fact. You don't think that's true. The uh, suppliers of credit cards, the major credit cards in America, publish statistics that will tell the merchant who is using his credit card why he should be willing to pay them 5 to 7% of his total profit and why he should be willing to hire people to keep up with the credit supply of people who are charging on his system. You know why? Because he, they can prove to him that a family living on credit cards will spend 25% per year more than a family living without them. They will buy the same products for a higher price. They will buy more of them and they will buy on impulse. If everybody here was working on a fixed wage, whatever you did, you would be a far more cautious person with the money that you actually earned, regardless if it was $5 an hour or $500 an hour, you will be more cautious with money that you have had to earn than you will money that you've borrowed and is a fact. More credit ultimately then will result in higher prices permanently. And you know what you call a permanent price increase? Inflation. That's all it is. It is a change in prices permanently. If you're struggling with credit card debt, I recommend Christian Credit Counselors. They can create a debt management plan specifically for you. For more information, call the Crown Helpline. 800-722-1976 or visit online at crown.org slash ccc. A Moment of Grace with Ed Taylor. The Bible doesn't describe believers as victims. The Bible describes believers as victors. Victorious. We walk in the power and the strength of God. We're not a victim of our circumstances, the way the world sees things. Because if you see yourself as a victim of things, then you're going to excuse your behavior when somebody gets close enough to start putting their finger on it. You go, you know, socially, you should really watch your behavior. You know, you don't understand how I was raised. I know, but you still shouldn't talk like that. Well, you don't know. And you start, it's just, excuses will get you nowhere. For more biblical encouragement to help you grow deeper in your love relationship with Jesus, visit edtaylor.org. Again, that's edtaylor.org. A Moment of Grace with Ed Taylor is a presentation of Calvary Aurora. Signs of the Times now continues. Here again is your host. Welcome back, everyone, to our second half of looking at Bible prophecy that we find in the world's news. These are the Signs of the Times for Friday, October 29th, 2021, episode 189 that you can listen to later if you subscribe to our podcast, finding out uh, which podcast you want to subscribe to or just listen to it directly from the waymedia.net or the waymedia app can be found on the waymedia.net or the waymedia app. All right, let's get into some articles. Pastor Mark? Yes. On deck first is timesofisrael.com, where the Israeli uh, uh, Air Force is uh, starting to train to strike Iran's nuke program in the coming months. Thanks for the heads up, says Iran. <laughs> yeah, really. And again, I, when these come up, I've touched them briefly because we know this, this is a recurring theme. And I don't want there to be Iran fatigue for our listeners. But yeah. again, remember, we're watching Iran and Russia because this battle's coming soon. And we want, again, we're just trying to keep our, our, our finger on the, the pulse yeah. over there. And there will be no peace about this. No, there won't. The Israeli Air Force, it says, will begin practicing for a strike on Iran's nuclear program beginning next year. Having set aside funding and updated its training schedule for the mission, the Times of Israel has learned. In light of growing uncertainty regarding a return by Iran to the 2015 nuclear deal known as the Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action, amid long-stalled negotiations with the United States, the Israeli Defense Forces in recent months has ramped up its efforts to prepare a credible military threat against Iran's nuclear facilities. In his speech to the United Nations General Assembly last month, Prime Minister Naftali Bennett declared that Iran's nuclear program was hit 
uh, has hit a watershed moment, rather, and so far uh, has also hit our tolerance. Words do not stop centrifuges from spinning. will not allow Iran to acquire a nuclear weapon. Here's the thing. Um, I, I wanted to leave this in there again for this reason. We always watch Iran. But if Israel does strike, this, again, could be one of the things that makes them move against Israel. So we need to re- keep our eye on that. If Israel strikes, that could be something that forces their hand and gets this thing rolling. doesn't mean it will, but I want our listeners to be aware of that uh, so they're watching for this. Because, again, things are always heating up, but it's like you never know which which heating up is going to turn into an explosion and cause this invasion. It's going to happen. Yeah. Even in the midst we, of birth pangs, there's lulls, but yeah, we just it, don't know it'll when. increase. That's yeah. right. That's right. All right. Some one world government news. This is from Breitbart.com. The United Nations is warning of global famine, global chaos, global terrorism, and global war yeah. if a certain summit fails. Yeah. Tell us about this summit yeah. and uh, what's going on with yeah, this. Yeah, Chicken Little running around chicken over little, there. Yes. <laughs> we know the sky's going to fall They, they need to read the Bible. The Bible says these things are going to happen All with or without things, a summit. Yeah, they can't stop it. It's going to happen. As a matter of fact, the things they're trying to stop, the Bible says God himself will do Yeah, at the right time during the Great Tribulation. So Think it's, about it's that. Rather ironic. Rather ironic. Uh, the article, any failure by the COP26 summit in Glasgow to deliver an agreement on future transnational climate controls could plunge the world into chaos, sparking migration crisis, food shortages, political disorder, and war, a UN top official warned. Again, Greg, we talk about this. God's going to do that himself. What they're trying to stop there, during the Great Tribulation, there will be famines, chaos, war, all these things, because God will be judging them as well as others if they don't repent. Patricia Espinosa, executive secretary of the U.N. Framework Convention on Climate Change, made her bleak prediction, and since we said chicken little, maybe it's her beak prediction, ahead of the opening of the convention November 1st. The Mexican politician and diplomat then drew a broader, bleaker picture for the planet if attendees failed to heed U.N. warnings. She said the impact would cascade, adding it would mean less food, probably a crisis in food security. It would leave a lot more people vulnerable to terrible situations, terrorist groups, violent groups. Uh, it would mean a lot of uh, sources of instability. Uh, again, basically, don't trust God. Uh, you know, they're not trusting the Lord. Uh, the leaders of the G12 nations and the world's largest developed and developing economies will fly into Rome. Now, get this. They're meeting, Greg, um, not in Rome, uh, but they're going to be flying back into Rome. The leaders will uh, to speak about this next weekend for two days for preliminary talks, then fly back to Glasgow to join about 100 other heads of government for the climate gathering. Some key leaders include, get this, <laughs> Here again, President Biden was trying to get his climate thing you know, passed before he left, and they didn't pass it. He wanted to go and say, look what America's doing. The rest of the world needs to do this. Well, they didn't get it passed, but now get this, the biggest, um, the, the world's largest problem when it comes to this whole climate change footprint carbon footprint and all that is china okay yes listen who's not attending <laughs> key leaders not attending xi jinping of china and vladimir putin uh from russia and again i don't know the reasons they're giving but i find it ironic that the world's supposed to gather together to talk about all these things they're doing and we were supposed to lead the way because this big thing we were going to have happened this week that didn't happen and now there it's we have nothing to tout and the person that's the biggest problem that they're pointing is not even going to be there. Um, this whole thing is so Amazing. off the rails. I mean, the yeah. bottom line is man doesn't hold the world's climate together. God does. And if man had to hold the world's climate together, we'd truly, be in trouble. Oh, we'd be done. And, and you can see why they panic if they believe that. Because if I really thought I was responsible to hold this environment together or all of mankind's going to become extinct, I wouldn't sleep at night. That, that's just horrific. But God in heaven, he says, he holds all things together. Jesus Christ holds all things together by his power and glory. Colossians chapter 1, uh, verse 16. And, um, and uh, it's, I believe it's verse 16, but yeah. Colossians chapter 1. But again, the ironic thing, Greg, as we look at this article is, the very thing they're trying so hard to protect as they gather together with all their new regulations and mandates around the world for the climate is the very thing, because they're worshiping the climate and because they're rejecting the God of heaven, it says in Revelation that God will judge the climate. Even as he judged the gods of Egypt, he will judge the gods of our generation. And one of the main gods of our generation, right at the top, is climate. 
And rather than Jesus Christ, God will judge it. He says he'll burn up most of the trees. He'll burn up most of the grass. He'll pollute the rivers and streams. He'll pollute the oceans. Everything is going to be just devastated. And God's going to do it. Man can't stop it from happening. And God won't because God's going to do it. But God promises he won't do it until he takes his church out of here and gives everyone an opportunity to receive Christ. And that's why he comes back and restores it, which addresses the question we looked at in the first half. Yeah. Well, and if you think that some of these people are crazy with some of their ideas, uh, we can't forget Romans at the end of chapter one, where it says uh, that um, those that worship the the creature rather than the creator, God gives them over to a debased or depraved mind. And so basically... They really honestly believe that it is their job to save the world, and here are all the crazy ways they think it it can be saved or we can save the world. They legitimately believe this. This isn't... That's right. It's heartfelt. It's heartfelt, and it's hard, I think, a lot of times for the church to grasp exactly this, the the seriousness or the gravity of their feelings towards this because we have the knowledge of Jesus and they don't. And that's the key. Yeah. And Greg, you know, we've talked about this before, but just because someone is sincere does not mean they're right. You can be be sincerely wrong. You can be so sincere. You believe with all your heart and still be deathly wrong. You can believe with all your heart that you can jump off of a, of a, of a mountain and live and you won't live depending on how, how the high, how high the mountain is. So it doesn't matter what your beliefs are. It matters what reality is and what the truth is. And, um, you know, again, the debased mind thing you brought up, as we see the world now turning more toward climate, yeah. environmentalism, the green movement, look at the debased minds that are happening with our children in our schools. In yes. our envi- I mean, it's, it's happening, and Romans chapter 1 describes it yeah. perfectly. And you shared something with me the other day regarding uh, methane gas coming from cows and what people are doing trying to reduce the carbon footprint of cows when you explain yeah, the that really quickly because this forum, is a great yeah, example the world economic forum and others they're actually training cows now in parts of the world they're going to start doing it here and maybe they're already doing it they already are doing it i think over in europe they're training cows to basically go indoors to go to the bathroom they're, they're bringing them into a certain mat it's this little room they've built they go into the bathroom they they use the restroom there and it processes all of their urine and their feces and all that and all the emissions of any other gases uh, no explanation needed there. And then they, so it purifies it to release it back out into the environment. And then the cow goes back out of the food. And they did it, Greg. This is kind of cute. They did it by giving them treats. So the cows get little treats when they go to the potty back in there. But it, it just shows the, the foolishness of mankind in thinking that God's creation is going to ruin God's creation. It's foolish. Well, and God's ecosystem is designed for these animals to relieve themselves. Yeah on the land because it is fertilizer it nourishes the land believe it or not what's going to happen when we mess with god's design (laughs) that we can't yet understand scientifically as we've said many times before greg science is slowly catching up with the bible and that's been proven throughout history the bible says it long before science ever figures it out how do we know what God's purpose is for the methane gas for the the urination using the rest of, of cows in the field he has everything for a purpose to keep our ecosystem where it needs to be. And when we start tampering with the ecosystem, it's like tampering with the DNA of mankind. God is going to mess everything up in the way God designed it, and you're going to see wheels start falling off the wagon. Wow. Amazing. Yep. Absolutely. It amazing. is. And why can't we be friends? Yes. Just, Come why, on. Let's just all get along. Can we not all just get let's along? Let's just get along. Uh, you know, you talk about fear being a great motivator. This is a great this is a great article that uh, really kind of highlights that. This is from timesofisrael.com. According to a survey, anti-Semitism fears made 40%. Now, this is just in this country, right. okay? And I think I think anti-Semitism is worse in other countries. Oh, we're one of the friendliest countries to the Jews in the world. So, with that in mind, yes. anti-Semitism fears made 40%, nearly a half of US Jews change their behavior yeah. last year yeah. once you share that yeah, with basically us. going underground in their behavior so people won't harass them that's how bad it is a survey of american jews found that over last year 17 percent of them said they avoided certain places events or situations 22 percent avoided making themselves visually identifiable as a jew 25 percent refrained from posting jewish related content online and a companion survey of the general public meanwhile found that the proportion of americans who say they understand what anti-semitism is rose sharply in the last year from 53 percent uh in 2020 to 65 this year the reason they're doing that is they're hearing more about it and they're looking up to see what it means almost 40 percent of jews have changed their behavior 
This is horrible, the article says, and heartbreaking data. Holly Huffnagel, uh, the AGC's and U.S. Director of Combating Anti-Semitism, told the Jewish Telegraphic Agency about this year's findings. Now, again, how does this pertain to signs of the times? Remember, the Bible clearly says in the last days the world will turn more and more against the Jew and hate them more and more, even as the world will turn more and more against the Christian and hate the Christian. Why? Because it is greater levels of demonism and Satan exerting his influence in the world. Satan hates Jews because God's promises to them for their Messiah and their future. And Satan hates Christians because we represent Christ on the earth. So it's all explainable. But again, we're watching it happen. You know, it's like you said, Greg, when it starts happening in the friendliest places in the world, what's it like everywhere else? Imagine how the Jews are. You know, America used to be where you would flee to, which brings a great point up, because if they can't flee to America, and it's getting that way more and more, where are they going to run? They're going to run to Israel. And God says in the last days, last days, he will regather them back in the land, and there's inferences in other places of actually driving them back. So for those who don't come back on their own, the world's circumstances will drive them back to the land. God is regathering and will regather the Jews to Israel. And part of this anti-Semitism, listen, what the enemy intends for evil, God intends for good. I think he's going to use it to drive them home for the last day's outpouring of his spirit. And just another biblical prophecy yep. coming to pass. That's right. God 100% correct. All right, some pestilence, plagues, disasters, and corruption. Our smorgasbord of yuck uh, features as the main dish, COVID-19. And this article here, Pastor Mark, is from The Blaze, where there is an Irish county in Ireland with a 99.7% vaccination rate. Yeah. And coincidentally, they have the highest COVID case rate, yeah. please explain. Well, again, I don't know that I can't explain. Okay. I'll read some of it and give you my best explanation. But some of those that have been fearing uh, mass vaccinations, again, vaccinations can be good in certain times in certain areas. But there have been immunologists, virologists that have been expressing concern about worldwide vaccinations at the same time because they said in so doing, you may actually make the immune system weaker uh, and actually create more of a problem. Well, I'm not saying that's what's happening But this is very concerning, what we're seeing coming out of Ireland. Listen to the article. With 99.9% of adults in the Irish county of Waterford, again, this is only one county, but note the the statistics here. This is a a good test group who received the COVID shots. At 99.7% of them received COVID shots. The highest per capita rate of COVID uh, they have now, with that rate of shots, the highest per capita rate of COVID anywhere in the country. And they're now going to suggest that it's the fault of the 0.3%. Again, this is amazing. This guy actually says this. So 99.7% vaccinated, and they're blaming the 0.3%. The Irish Times reported last week that one Waterford City district had a 14-day incident rate of 1,486 cases per 100,000 of the population. Waterford has the highest incident rate of anywhere in Ireland. The COVID case rate is three times the national average, which in itself has been increasingly steady in recent weeks, despite 91% of the Irish adults overall being vaccinated, 99.7% in that county. Waterford, I quote, uh, has the highest rate of vaccination in the Ireland country, 99.7% of adults over age 18 fully vaccinated. And I quote, the county has gone from having one of the lowest COVID-19 rates to now the highest. According to our world in data, most Irish began to get vaccinated in April or May, which is exactly when they saw the reverse of the fortunes, Uh, but now they're seeing it take over. Ireland has the highest number of people in the hospital with COVID since March, and the trajectory is getting worse. This is the highest vaccination rate in the whole EU, over 90% of those over 16, and it's particularly bad in the most vaccinated county of Ireland. The state's chief medical officer, Dr. Tony Holohan, said he was increasingly worried about the rising incidence of the disease nationwide and that the primary focus must be to protect the most vulnerable. He then went on to blame the unvaccinated. Those, the point three, they're the reason. The article goes on. At some point, there is uh, nowhere to run and hide from the botched vaccine that not only fails to stop transmission, the article says, but is apparently causing viral immune escape and makes the more viral uh, virulent variants. A recent analysis of the emergent A30 strain published in Nature shows that the spike protein of SARS-CoV-2 variant A, uh, A30 is heavily mutated because of the shot and evades 
vaccine-induced antibodies with high efficiency. In other words, it's reproducing, and it can now avoid what the original shot put in there to stop. It goes on. This is what happens when you shoot at a king and miss, so to speak, by fighting a virus with weak, narrow spectrum and waning antibodies. We've gone backward. UK data already shows that the vaccinated are infected at a greater rate per capita in some cohorts, twice the rate for every age group over 30. It's becoming clear that not only does the vaccine create greater transmission, but it also fails to protect against critical illness, especially for those who need the protection the most. Even the studies that continue to rely on old data before the vaccines fully waned show that the protection against critical illness doesn't really work for the immuno, immunocompromised. Mm. So here's the bottom line. We're seeing some of the highest rates, actually the highest rate in the world right now, in the highest vaccinated study group, if you will, in, in a county in Ireland in the world. And this has uh, immunologists, it has vi- virologists, people, it has them concerned. I doubt you hear this on your regular news station. Um, but again, we put these articles out there for you to do your own homework and read it for yourself. This is it, this is concerning information. Well, let's flip the coin, Pastor Mark, yeah. and let's go to Yahoo.com, where we see that Florida now has America's lowest COVID rate. Isn't that interesting? And they ask the question, does Florida's governor deserve the credit? Yeah, it's interesting. They almost, the article really is written of not giving him the credit. But, but Greg, it's amazing. I think they wrote it that way because they can't get around the statistics. It says, which U.S. state has the lowest COVID rate right now? It's not California, home of the America's strictest mask and vaccine requirements. Nor is it Vermont, even though 71% of residents there have been fully inoculated, the most in the country. No, the state with the fewest daily COVID cases per capita is the same one that recently had more than any other, that is Florida. During the past two months, Florida's daily average has plummeted by more than 90% to about 1,700 cases, or 8 for every 100,000 residents. That's roughly half of California's current COVID rate, and less than a quarter of Vermont's. Hawaii, with 9 cases for every 100,000, is the only other state in single digits. DeSantis critics and mainstream media remain quiet as Florida's COVID numbers drop, uh, according to Newsmax. Well, it's official, and I quote, Florida currently has the lowest per capita COVID cases among the contiguous 48 states. Stephen Krakauer, executive producer of The Megyn Kelly Show, tweeted last week, looking forward to the next batch of DeSantis media coverage that's sure to be coming soon. And I quote, and they've done it without mask or vaccine mandates. Uh, that is why Ron DeSantis terrifies, he said, the Corona bros, <laughs> because all their shutdowns and mandates which destroy freedoms, Provide no benefits. Greg, you know, we have to, everyone wants to tout the science. We can't ignore it. And the place that has the most vaccines right now has the highest COVID rate. The place that has the least or or some of the least restrictions in the world has the lowest rate. Um, I believe that what we're seeing is God's natural immunity is the best way to fight this virus. And I know that it's also referred to as a herd immunity. That's right. Yes. And for some reason, they came out saying that we wouldn't get herd immunity with this. And with every other, uh, you know, pandemic, you did get herd immunity in Mm -hmm. history. And now for those who are not getting vaccinated, you're seeing the herd immunity take place where the problems are is those that are getting vaccinated, never actually catching COVID and allowing it to develop the T cells. It seems to be replicating and having these high numbers like we see there in Ireland. So it is concerning, but it's also at least good science to recognize that the vaccines aren't the answer. Masks aren't the answer. The answer is let God's natural um, antibodies take over. Well, I was going to say in in vaccines, in and of themselves could be an answer if the vaccines were based on the actual virus yeah and not a synthetic fabrication yeah. that is messing with your software code in your body yeah. so anyway well, and the frustrating thing greg just to throw this yeah. in that we mentioned earlier uh we don't even have this booster they're giving out is the same shot it's the Everyone, same shot there's no difference in the booster shot than the first two shots that right. you've received um, and typically they're, they're giving it because they say the Delta variant is raging or whatever. The problem is this booster shot has nothing to stop Delta variant. It's the same exact COVID-19 shot with no Delta variant uh, protection in it. Next year, they're producing them now. In 2022, they're saying they will have a booster that protects the Delta variant. But what that means is if you go and get this shot now, they're giving a third one, for example, or in some cases they're promoting a fourth one now. 
you're not getting any more. You're getting the same thing you've already had. And so the whole thing is really, really, it's, 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 it's frustrating and maddening in many ways. Yeah. All right, uh, strap on your uh, tinfoil hat here, because here we go with this one. Uh, this is from VeteransToday.com, but I guess this was featured on 60, 60 Minutes. Yeah, uh, An underskin microchip for COVID, the Pentagon's injectable hydrogel, is almost ready. Yeah, and this is anything but uh, conspiracy, nanu nanu, uh, aluminum hat. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, just so you know, Greg. I know. Uh, this is, this is some, no, I know you are. But this is some serious stuff, again, featured on 60 Minutes. And again, it's it looks like definitely the technology for the Mark of the Beast. Will it be what is used? I don't know. We know it's coming. But listen to this article. Retired Colonel Matt Hepburn, an Army infectious disease doctor who led DARPA's response to the pandemic, showed the CBS investigation broadcast team 60 Minutes on Sunday evening uh, the issue of a, of a tissue-like gel designed to continuously test your blood. I've seen this. It's Profusa puts this out, a company that makes these. It's almost like a little piece of spaghetti. It's, it's very yeah. may a quarter-inch long, and it moves. It, you can move it back and forth. It, it actually kind of blends into your body and your, your, your flesh and everything once injected. The green gel shown to reporters in the lab contains a microchip that detects when the body's infected. He explained to the reporter, as reported by the Daily Mail, Russia Today, and several other international media. Pentagon scientists working inside a secretive unit set up the height set up at the height of the Cold War have created a microchip to be inserted under the skin, which will detect COVID nineteen infection. Now look how, look how the enemy's using this whole uh, pandemic thing to work in the yeah. idea of the mark of the beast, and in addition to that, a revolutionary filter that can remove the virus from the blood. That's amazing. When attached to a dialysis machine. Um, according to this British newspaper, you want to make a comment? Yeah, no, I was going to say uh, that to me s- sends all the danger signals. Oh, yeah. Because your body, God designed your body to naturally filter it. That's right. With the kidneys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you go bypass God's design once again. You're and missing. you hook up yourself to yeah. a dialysis machine. Do you know if, can you come back off of that? Yeah, yeah. What, what does that dialysis process do to your kidneys that yeah. are, up to that point, normal. No, I'm, not, I'm not saying that it'll damage it. What I'm saying is, is that nobody knows. Well, and Greg, even in the modern movies, I've noticed they are getting the next generation's mindset toward altering yourself either chemically oh, or by stepping man. in a machine and becoming a hero, a superhero, yeah. you know, whatever. I mean, literally, it is it is a mindset being built. Uh, it says that, again, um, let me go on real quickly on this. This The microchip is sure to spark worries among some. Again, you put it underneath the skin. It tells you whether, uh, whether there's a chemical reaction going on in the body. Signal means you're going to have symptoms tomorrow, so you know in advance whether you're going to be sick or not. They're using it now, uh, trying to use it in the military for all kinds of things. Heart rate. Here's the interesting thing, Greg, I don't want to miss. In this, Profusa, who's developing this and working with the military, they, again, are greatly funded by, again, as you know, Bill Gates' name keeps coming up, but Bill Gates is funding worldwide um, uh, studies for, for vaccines and shots. He's very involved in the COVID vaccine. Everyone knows that. But he is funding, if you will, Profusa and working with, with Profusa to develop this because he has gotten a patent now from smartphones to be able to read this Profusa chip when it's put in. And they're talking about using it to see if you've been vaccinated, whether or not you have COVID. Also, it can be used even in financial transactions. And again, we go in our mind to the mark of the beast in Revelation 13. You can't buy or sell without the mark. This We don't have the mark yet, but Greg, this is very clearly we are seeing right now um, in front of us, I believe the technology and keep your eye on this again. I, I want to give a caution. Don't because there are so many conspiracy theories out there. Don't throw out legitimate articles because of the conspiracy theories. This is the legitimate thing. The Pentagon is working on Bill Gates and Microsoft has worked on profuse is working on. They're already experimenting with it. Uh, this was on 60 minutes. This is not a nano nano article. You need to be aware. This is working toward the technology of the mark of the beast. It is going to happen. If it's not this, it'll be something else, but we're watching all this last day's prophecy come to life right before our very eyes. Very exciting. Yeah. You got yeah. some good good news for us? Yes, I do. End? Yes, yeah. Very excited. Before that music say, how starts? You, well, how can you be excited about the mark? I'm not excited about the mark of the beast. No. Here's why it's very exciting, because I have good news for you. The Bible says when this begins to take place, then look up. Your salvation draws nigh. Jesus is about to come back. And the better news than that is, if you give your life to Jesus, you will be with us at the marriage supper of the Lamb, deciding out what deciding what we're eating. 
and you'll miss all this judgment that's coming in the great tribulation. Jesus died for you on the cross. Receive him, ask forgiveness, and you will join us in the kingdom forever. That's the good news. Amen. Folks, uh, thewaymedia.net or download the Waymedia app. Not only Signs of the Times, but other content that we offer 24-7 to keep you encouraged and equipped in Jesus Christ. Have a great weekend, and we'll see you next Friday for more Signs of the Times. Sacrifice is the natural byproduct of love. You give up something you have because someone has a need. You can't give more than you have, but you share freely, and that can be a sacrifice. It can seem small, or it can seem the sacrifice is more than you can bear. God did that for you. You do it for your children, and your children, well, they will learn. This kind of sacrifice is less about what you feel and more about how it helps. WIAM 101.1 FM, The Way.